Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, spotting a bogus Beltway Bandit. I think that it's very easy for all of us to get sucked into buying the stories that people tell rather than figuring out the reality of the situation at hand. in this region for good or ill, the term Beltway Bandit's been used to describe business or an individual who makes their money by working with the federal government. But there's a new definition that may be more relevant to the next generation of entrepreneurs. Our next guest, Josh Cano, is a serial entrepreneur who's helped build many businesses here in the D.C. region, including Canvas, Uppity, and BrandClick. He's going to unpack this new phenomenon of Beltway Bandits. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we're not talking about government contractors anymore. What are you talking about? Nope, nope. Uh, I think what we're talking about are related to technology and folks who are masquerading as experts in the field. And the reality is they may have had some small measure of success that they hang their hat on as a justification for this like self-donned position in the universe that they've that they've given themselves. Yes, I call them victory lane entrepreneurs. You know, I, I, look at me. I was successful. You should do what I do. Is that what you're getting at? Uh, kind of. But they're, you know, they're sort of like technologists who may have come from an attractive area like Silicon Valley. And the real reason that they left isn't because they wanted to, you know, bring their family here or they wanted their kids in better schools. They just may not have actually made it in the region that they were in. They come in, they set up shop. They come in with bright, fancy lights on their resume. Here's all the great companies I worked for. And because we're so accepting of of new folks in the region as a, as a transient part of the country, that we just simply buy into the fact that they're experts in their field. And lots of these folks are now kind of running around both starting businesses, helping existing businesses, acting as contractors, or again, kind of experts in the field. So it sounds to me, I mean, look, I've been reading that this is a phenomenon everywhere, entrepreneurs, people who... Isn't technology ultimately a very fertile ground for this kind of stuff because so much of it is buzzwords and then so hard of it is actually, it, so little of it can be tangible, particularly in the first conversations. Absolutely. And I think that it's very easy for all of us to get sucked into uh, buying the stories that people tell rather than figuring out the reality of the situation at hand. For, you know, for people like myself, where I've started many businesses from the ground up, I've had to go out and raise money or I bootstrapped several companies in the beginning, um, you know, we almost want to believe the story because it's going to help further our own goals and aspirations for growing our own businesses. But the reality, when you do your homework on a lot of these folks and you come back and figure out what's really going on, there's not a lot there. Uh, there's just not a lot of there's just not a lot of people going in to, to kind of call them out on on what's happening. And so uh, for speed, for, uh, you know, fake it till you make it to, to get to market quickly. We just are very accepting as technologists in some ways to just get to the next item because we have so many other problems to deal with in growing a business. Isn't another part of the phenomenon, though, I mean, how many times have you and I been in a networking event and you ask somebody how they're doing and everybody's killing it, right? Everybody's sure. It's just the hype that surrounds tech is it's mind numbing sometimes. Are we victims of our own, you know, hype machine in some ways? Absolutely. And we we are furthering ourselves by having all of these meetups all of these gatherings, all of these get-togethers, instead of actually just executing on the goals that we set out in front of us, uh, and spending time building the business. You know, we spend time partying, networking, drinking, and talking about how great everything is going, and kind of either making ourselves feel better about the reality of the situation, which is maybe it's really not going that well. And if the failure percentages are what they are, then the conversations that we're having 
at least half of the time are also not really accurate. Josh, it sounds to me like you have a lot of energy from personal experience. What happens when you're a founder or an investor and it turns out that somebody doesn't have the chops they said they had? Well, there's only a couple of ways out. Uh, one of them is, you know, to extricate the individual or individuals out of the business in one form or another, whether that's buying them out, uh, you know, asking them to leave uh, or bringing in other uh, fresh blood who who do. And I think the biggest, again, kind of from a from a due diligence perspective that we all need to go through is we have to do our homework. When we're kids, we're told you got to sit down, you got to learn your math, you've got to do X, you got to do Y to get that rote memory in place. And a lot of the times, again, because we're rushing, we don't go back to go do the research on these folks uh, and make sure that they are who they say they are. And that's, you know, that's simple. That's reaching out to people. That's going online. That's, you know, looking at their resumes. That's uh, talking to others who they've done business with, you know, checking on the deals that they claim they've done, the money that they've raised. There's a number of kind of basic checklist items that would probably subjugate a lot of the falsehood. But big businesses do this as a matter of course. So why don't startups? Is it? I hear and and we talk a lot about how the entrepreneurial community is really collegial. Is it? Is it almost like to ask somebody hard questions? You're not being, you know, you're not being part of the spirit of being an entrepreneur. How do people get into this mess? I, I think we all want to help. You know the the uh, what's the phrase? The uh, rising tide lifts all boats. We all want to sort of be the tide pushing everything forward and pushing it up and to the right. And uh, all of our charts do that and all of our financial projections do that. And so we should be doing that. We should be doing that with each other. But the truth is, is not everybody really deserves to have that accolade or that positioning within the technology community until you've actually done these things and executed on the goals. Where's the best place for somebody to actually meet a co-founder? It doesn't sound to me like you think a meetup's a great way to do it. I think that that's actually a really bad way to do it. You need to be methodical about it and not just go to the meetups. It's go to the meetups, go online, go talk to other experts in the field. Find the expert in the field who you want to replace as the new expert in that field and ask them who they would talk to. Who would they co-found a company with? Hmm. See if you can even swallow them into your board or as an advisory role. Like, Go after the biggest names that are out there that are public that everybody knows and can point to because they already have measured results. Do you think that... Um Another good piece of advice here might be an entrepreneur should start a business and something they know something about. It's a lot harder to see somebody as a bullshitter if you don't understand what they're saying. I, absolutely. And for people who are raising money, I mean, I, I've invested some of my own money. Other people I would ask to to pitch in on. I mean, if I don't know anything about the business, why are they going to give me any money? You know, just because you have an idea and you roll out of bed one day and find something wrong with the world that you want to fix does not mean you're the right person to go out and start a company against that. So, you know, having a cadre of people, at least in behind you, who are experts in that, even if you are the the champion or the evangelist, I, I don't really like that word because I'm not very religious, but if you're out there drum beating, uh, have the chops and the folks behind you who can actually back up the business opportunity for anybody that you'd be talking to, BD, funding, or, or other related. Well, Josh, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, inform us all on these new trends and also provide us a reminder that it's the most important questions that are the hardest, but the ones that we should be asking. Absolutely. Thank you. So thanks, Josh Kano, for joining us today.
Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. Today's podcast is brought to you by Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, MCEDC, helping companies start, grow, and accelerate business in Montgomery County. The future starts here. Go to thinkmoco.com today. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online contributors are Michael Hoffman, Barbara Ulrich, and Candace Pye. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.